0: Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. <laughs> and welcome, everybody, once again, to another edition here of the Mastel Podcast. Me, Charles, Brian Richie, Ritchie. And join me on the line right now, friend of the show, NFL writer for CBS. Talk about none other than Brian DiArdo. You can follow him on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Brian DiArdo. We're getting ready to uh, get into it right now. Just a moment here. We heard the latest uh, breaking news earlier this week by the NFL and the NFLPA. Uh, No preseason for the first time uh, ever, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the history of this league, where there will be no games played, just uh, training camp, players getting tested daily for the first two weeks practically uh, to see if they're going to be less than 5%. And plus, you got multiple teams making some IDER plans. Also, we will get into some free agent signings uh, that were happening with franchise tags. More notably, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bud Dupree. Has this fate already been predetermined since signing the franchise tag? Uh, here Brian and I's thoughts here in just a second. Once again, if you guys want to interact with us, you can. Uh, we can be followed for the Metastool Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, it is at MassSteelCGR, and then on Instagram, it is at of Steel nation Brian, thank you very much for uh, joining in. Glad glad to have you on. And uh, how's everything going with you uh, this past week again?
1: Dude, doing great, Charles. Thanks for having me. Uh, holding that hope we're gonna have an NFL season, uh, as everybody else is. But uh, doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Hope you're doing well uh, too.
0: Yeah, um, I, I gotta be honest with you. How significant do you think it's, it's been? Because this is not something I think the owners and executives uh, really have a hard time swallowing. But I mean, I guess you have no choice. I mean, you have the uh health concerns with the COVID that's constantly uh, popping up. Obviously, anyone doesn't want to lose a revenue, but how would you see this as a victory for the Players Union, finally getting something in their favor When we heard in the last couple weeks at the NFL, why they have two preseason games? Then he decided to razor thin it to one game. But then we heard on Pro Football Talk uh, late Monday night uh, that they were going to just eliminate all the How much of a victory is that for the players uh, for this season to even happen and going forward?
1: I think in general, it depends on the on the player if you're a guy that um, was on the bubble, you know you're you're a guy that doesn't have a fifty you know third man you know have a roster spot secured. Um, it makes it harder for you to make the roster. Um, you're just gonna have to show it during camp and it's gonna force the coaches to make some tough decisions. Um, but that being said, I think in general it's it's a good thing for the a very good thing for the players because they just weren't ready to play football. I mean I think that that was uh, the main reason why. Uh, one of the reasons why the pro football if they canceled the Steelers-Cowboys game, it just became apparent that they were going to have such a uh, small amount of time to uh, practice with each other. And you got to remember, like, you know, To my knowledge, Chase Claypool has yet to catch a pass from Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Also too, uh, all these contract signings have been delayed. I think today was actually the day that Chase Claypool finally signed his contract. So uh, I just think that lack of familiarity really would have hurt the product on the field and it also would have increased the risk of injury. Um, So I I think it was a really big win um, for just about everybody. And again, for those guys that were gonna struggle to make the roster, They're just going to have to show it in practice every day. And and, and I'll be honest, Charles, I think we've seen the last of the four-game preseasons. I think in the future, if preseasons return, which I think they will, it'll be in the form of two games. I just think four has become prehistoric. I don't think you there's any need anymore for, for four games, uh, maybe three. You could convince me for three, because maybe you have you know, the middle game, you have some of the first-string play, so they get some familiarity. But other than that, I, I think four we've seen the last four-game preseasons.
0: I would be surprised if we see like any more like preseason games in the future coming up, Like maybe not next season, but within the next five years. I think a lot of it has to depend on the success like what you're saying with the injury rates and plus, more importantly, uh, with the health and safety of everyone else, especially when we got a pandemic going on. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I think that that there'll be a lot of things, I think, that that will change football going forward due to this this pandemic. I think you actually will have more uh, virtual meetings with players. Because um, as, as you recall, when guys get drafted, I mean, short, I mean immediately after that, they're with the Pittsburgh and they sign or whatever city they get drafted by. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they're in minicamp. I, I do think a lot of those things will continue to happen. But I think that, that you might see a little less in-person action during the offseason and maybe some more virtual you know, Zoom meetings. And I think that may have happened anyways, even if we didn't live in a world with this pandemic. But I just think in general, there's going to be some things... Uh, that will never go back to being the same uh, because of this pandemic. And I think the preseason is one of them. I think the way teams conduct uh, their off-seasons uh, is one of them as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward for sure.
0: All right, let's go ahead and uh, swing to uh, another team right now uh, since we're uh, talking about the podcast. Let's start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've been on the record for the last couple of shows we did. I mean, you look at both like a guy like T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, more particularly like T.J. Watt, who should be commanding more money uh, down the road, I mean, if not this season. But do you think with Bud Dupree right now for this matter, here's a guy who's still trying to argue $2 million more as an edge rusher if he wins his grievance uh, with the NFLPA. But if not, he'll be standing under the franchise tag, which is just barely around I want to say 15.8 million right now as it stands mm-hmm. what do you think his future is do you think we've uh, seen the final season in him in the black and gold uniform
1: I mean no I, I, I don't think so I think that I think that Watt for sure is going to stay with the Steelers it's just a matter of when they're going to get that done um you know Watt, Watt is remain a Steeler I think I think they're going to keep you know two guys between Juju James Conner uh, and Dupree, for sure one of them. Uh, if they can, they'll try to keep keep two of them. Um, there's just not enough money for everybody, uh, especially since you have to still pay Watt. Um, and you, you can't talk about Dupree's deal without talking about Watts, because Watt is gonna determine, uh, if Watt wasn't on the team, then I'd just have to sign Dupree. So, but, but Watts a must. I mean, they have to, he, he's the next big contract that, that's gonna be signed. I think they're waiting to see what shakes out. You know, if, if Juju has a, another really tough season and uh, Deontay Johnson really ascends and James Washington really ascends and Chase Claypool, you know, they get, they get more production out of him than they expected, which, again, I think that's where the, the pandemic really hurts because I think the lack of continuity that they're going to, you know, Chase Claypool's going to have and a lot of these young guys with, with quarterbacks is going to be tough, but they are going to have all all of training camp to to work on that and I think that that was another reason Charles why they got rid of preseason games because instead of trying to get uh, you know instead of having those preseason games and that travel you're going to have probably practices replace those those games and, and the, those traveling days with people like Chase Claypool getting more reps with Ben. I think that is one of the major benefits of not having preseason is that time that would have been spent preparing for those games or going to those games or playing those games will now be spent on the practice field and, and film study and, and I think that's, that's huge. Uh, but I think that you know, if if it turns out the Steelers don't have to pay Juju, or they want to franchise him, or whatever, then 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 that's just only going to increase Bud Dupree's chances. Um, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion this is James Conner's last season, uh, pending he has a good, healthy season. I think he needs to have both. I, I think he needs to remain healthy, and I think he also has to be productive. If he's healthy and rushes for seven hundred yards, I can't envision a scenario where they keep him. But but James Conner is a very good running back, and. and I'm not a big uh, fan of the narrative that you can plug anybody in into any system and they'll do well. I I don't agree with that. But if you were to twist my arm and say between Bud, uh, Juju, and James Conner, which one's the the odd man out, I think for sure it's it's James Conner. I mean, they drafted McFarland from Maryland. Uh, They already have Jalen Samuels. They already have Benny Snell. And and I was really – and I don't know how – Really, Steeler fans feel about Benny Snell's rookie season, but I was very impressed with it. Um, I think it's really hard for a guy to come in there and make an impact right away, especially with a young quarterback like that. It it, it wasn't like Benny Snell had the luxury of Ben Roethlisberger taking the pressure off of him and defenses respecting pass. He had to play with, you know, with young guys pretty much the entire time under center. Uh, So I I think it largely—I mean, let's just—you know—Juju has another down season. James Conner has another down season. And, and, and Bo Dupree has another season like he did last year. I, I they'll, they'll re-sign him. I mean, they'll re-sign him. So I, I think it's um, – I, I, I do not think uh, it's a foregone conclusion they're going to lose Dupree. I think it's uh, – I would say maybe, maybe that about James Conner, however.
0: I think the way Juju smith Susser saves his neck basically – He's got to prove once again that he could be like a top five or ten receiver in the league as far as receptions and yards like what he last did when he was paired up with Antonio Brown. If he, he's going to if he's gonna be saved by the bell, I think that's how you got to do it. He's got to prove it this year.
1: Well, I, I think it, 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 it's hard to envision Juju not being a member of the Steelers in 2021. It, it's really hard for me to envision that. He has proven he's a good player when he's healthy. He's proven he... It is you know he's a fan favorite he's a really hard worker he does do a lot of social media things but unlike antonio brown it does not affect it uh you know what he does on the field and it seems like you know he he hasn't lost himself despite all the fame he's received the last couple of years he's endeared himself to that to that team that city that franchise um i could see if i had a crystal ball i think Watt'll get a new deal um dupree's gonna be tough because you know, uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see how much Watt makes because, you know, uh, you've seen scenarios where guys take less so that their team more of their teammates can stay. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes who set this had made you know had this record setting contract, he, he was quoted to say, Well, Chris Jones says that, that Mahomes told him, Hey, I left some on the table so that you could sign. I think it was a legit possibility that Mahomes could have been the first fifty million dollar quarterback, but he left some on the table so that Chris Jones could sign. Um, I wouldn't call Mahomes a Saints. He's still got a lot of money. But nevertheless, he, he did take less to, to get Chris Jones in. So it be interesting to see if Watt does something similar where he says, hey, you know what? Like, Let's just get something that's fair. I don't need to be the highest paid or the top three highest paid. Let's just let's get something that's fair so that we can keep Bud Dupree. Uh, I think Juju will get franchise tagged at 21. And I don't think he'll uh, have a huge issue with it. I really don't. I think that, and again, this is unless. You know, uh, for that scenario to play out where they don't even offer him anything and he goes somewhere else, I think the scenario that would have to play out is, is Chase Claypool really shows potential early, you know, really has a good season. Washington really steps up, and uh, and uh, Deontay Johnson becomes the pro bowler that I think everybody's expecting. But that's those are a lot of scenarios that have to play out for Juju to not be in the mix at all. In 21, I don't think it has anything really to do with James Conner. I think that the, everything Juju's done, uh, I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to, to come back in 21. I do think it'll be under under the franchise tag though, which will pay Juju a lot of money. I think AJ Green's going to get a, over 18 million under the tag in Cincinnati. Um, so I think you know Juju will make a lot for one year, and then they can make something happen after that.
0: We're uh, being joined live by uh, Brian DiArdo, NFL writer for CBS. And speaking of star receivers right now, I'm sure you're aware of the t- tweet just like everyone else. Uh, Antonio Brown, a familiar friend of the Steelers and the NFL, arguably. But uh, w- what do you think of his latest uh, retirement talks? Uh, any chance we see this guy come back or what do you feel right now? He's starting to put two of the guard and just realize the risk and as much as the reward. I mean, despite coming back for the money as he's proved in the past, what do you think of his latest situation?
1: I just think he's frustrated, and I, I think he.
0: Do you, you know, think, think it still up. has to do with that little uh, pending case with the domestic thing too? Is also weighing in as a factor as well? Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. Cause it, Sorry for cutting you off. From, from what I read, it he almost had it settled, and then he didn't. And until he gets that settled, nobody's going to touch him. And I think that that I think that's been the biggest thing that that's that's weighing over him is that if that's still out there, no one's going to touch him. I don't think I'm not I'm not convinced he's played his last down in the NFL. I mean, the Seahawks have 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 uh, made it known that they're interested in him. The Saints had him in for a workout last year. So there's there are still teams that are interested in him. I, I think that. And I don't think it was the worst thing, you know, his tweet the other day or his series of tweets, but I just think he, he needs to stop with the immature outcries on social media. That just kills him. It, it sets him back. Even all the strides he made the last several months. Cause that's what you always heard last year that at some point, you know, he was gonna, if he was, had any hope to come back, he's going to have to quiet himself down on social media stay out of trouble. Um, and really turn things around. Um, I'm hoping that he doesn't really spiral out of control. That's that's my fear. Just as somebody that enjoyed covering him and that just genuinely wants good things for everybody, including him. Um, but I, I, I think that it, if he can get that civil suit settled, which he's been close to twice, I still think he'll have a chance. I I think that was frustration. I don't think there's I don't think he has any desire to not play again. I think he knows. Uh, he's got a couple of years left in the tank. He wants to make the most of them, and I think he needs the money. To be honest, I think he was only two years into that that big contract he signed in 2017, and I think that you know he he needs a couple of paychecks still.
0: Yeah, and you know what? The only part where I do feel bad for Antonio Brown, where it gets frustrated with players, because you even see Pro Football Talk and other media outlets. I mean, the biggest frustrating thing, or I could kind of see his point a little bit. I mean, you talk about like guarantees. Players' money, but there's certain things that are not fully guaranteed, like your performance or like roster spots. Obviously, those are things you got earned, but I believe that's got to be a frustration, too. Like the murky, it's got to be like murky language with him and his ages. Like when you see the history of the union and the league go back and forth,
1: I think the big conversation right now is if he didn't play again, is he a Hall of Famer? I've heard. I've seen two Hall of Fame voters, John Clayton, one of them, come out and say, yes, I would vote for him for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Ed Bouchette said, didn't say yes or say no, I think he just said before before Antonio Brown, there's another guy, another stealer, receiver that should be considered, and that's that's Heinz Ward. Pretty much Bouchette said that before Brown should be considered, Ward for sure needs to be considered, And, and I agree with that. And. You know, the the Hall of Fame is a very objective thing. Um, It's not really, uh, there's no really, there's no, there's zero guidelines. I mean, you obviously had to be an accomplished player to be considered, but um, I think one thing that that I'm learning that people look at is, um, you know, were you all decade? Because if you were voted onto your all decade team, that means that for an entire decade, your peers voted, you were, you were voted among the best at what you did for a decade. So, you know, Brown being a, a member of the all-decade team, now he wasn't an, an undis- he wasn't an, uh unanimous person. Uh, into, uh, Adrian Peterson was one of the only, he may be the only unanimous one, I'm not quite sure, um, for the 2010s, but um, but regardless, Brown is a member of the uh, all-decade team for the 2010s. You look at Drew Pearson from the 70s, he's the only 1970s all-decade player that's not in the Hall of Fame. So, so And, you know, there are some that aren't, you know, him, Roger Craig from the 80s, Ron Kirkland from the '90s, believe it or not, is a member of the '90s All-Decade Team. Over Greg Lloyd, he's not in there, so uh, it, it doesn't necessarily punch your ticket. Uh, but then you look at that. You look at some of the seasons that Brown had. I mean, from from 13 to 18, from that six-year stretch, no receiver has been was ever as dominant as Brown statistically. I mean, ever. I mean, we're saying F-E-V-E-R, ever, ever. So, you know, that six-year stretch alone should put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he doesn't have crazy long career achievements. I think his his yards receiving are about half of what Jerry Rice put up in his career. Um, and obviously his meltdowns and his uh, unfortunate ending, if it ended now, uh, is obviously going to hurt his case as well. But I think when it's all said and done, I, I think he's worthy of a Hall of Fame spot. But, but I think my biggest my biggest negative against him would be lack of longevity because he of of what's happened in his personal life and b i don't think enough has been said about the unnecessary distraction that his facebook live video hurt that i think it really hurt the steelers at 16 because instead of preparing for the patriots they had to have press conferences addressing that it was a big deal at the time and people just seem to forget about that but that was a big deal Oh, that that was huge. Brown did not have a great game either in that game. He he, kind of shrunk in the moment, I thought.
0: No, I just just feel like at that point, I mean, and and this is where I I had a couple of debates, like with uh, Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. I had a few uh, colleagues of mine who I interacted with as hosts, and I'm really adamant about choosing between the two. And, you know, I had had one person tell me, well, Bill Cowher's never had a, to deal with the likes of like an Antonio Brown type of character, true, but I, I think aside from the fact that he brought back the winning spirit in Pittsburgh, one thing the Cowher's credit, and I like Tomlin a lot, but Bill Cowher knew how like uh, you know like uh, put an end to whatever nonsense that was going on. He knew how to get players' attention better and counter uh, game plan opponents.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hear, and, and to your point, you hear about Super Bowl Thirty, where they were just totally locked in when they were in, Tem- in Tempe. They weren't, maybe it was easy because Tem- Tempe's not Their ne- Phoenix in general is not necessarily a party area, but but they went down there uh, solely focused on winning, and they lost Super Bowl Thirty, but it wasn't because of lack of effort or preparation or anything. I mean, they all played Dallas in that Super Bowl. It was, it was a couple of bad throws that, that Neil O'Donnell made. And, and, and Andre Hastings had a drop on the, that fateful drive. And Ernie Mills got hurt. I mean, there's those right there are the three main reasons why they lost that game. And the fact that they were so flat on offense for most of the first half. But, uh, but you know, it, yeah, I, I think that's one thing. I think that Tomlin's team has shrunk in the moment and just really weren't prepared to play a couple of times. I mean that, that Jaguars game was, was ugly. I mean if you look at Tomlins I mean, both coaches have and I don't know if Noel would. You'd have to look see Noel's biggest blunder was in the draft room when when he you know he wanted to go defense in the eighty three draft over, over getting Dan Marino. That that's that's Jeff Knowles' biggest mistake in his coaching tenure with Pittsburgh and an otherwise remarkable career. He's in the Hall of Fame and I still think that Noel should be considered as one of the greatest coaches ever. I I know a lot of my colleagues say it's it's unanimously Belichick. I I disagree. Um, I think that there is no undisputed greatest NFL coach ever. Uh, George Halas won eight championships. Curly Lambeau won six. Vince Lombardi won five. Like Noel won four in six years. You could
0: even also put you guys put George Halas who won six uh, prior to the Super Bowl era.
1: Well, he won eight, actually, I believe.
0: Well, no. Well, no. I think it was six total, but there was a couple of coaches in between that won aside from him. The Bears won eight as a total, but there were a few seasons. If you want, uh, you can check it out. It was a different head coach.
1: Sure. Okay. Gotcha. But I think that, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, Noel's biggest blunder or mistake was the Marino thing. Uh, Cowers was the 94 AFC championship game. Uh and, and for Tomlin, it was it was that game. It was the 17 divisional playoff game. And I and I think too, uh, you know, now as history is, has shown, I mean, the 97, 01, 04 AFC Championship losses at home were pretty ugly, but they lost to some really good teams. I mean, each time they lost to the eventual the eventual Super Bowl champions. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think if there was one knock on Tomlin, it, it might be that that. The Patriots game in 16. And, and you know, I know a writer that just kind of waves it off and says, oh, once they lost Le'Veon, it was over. I, I disagree. I, I think that it would have been a lot harder to win. Um, I just – I don't think they were ready to play that game. And I think that Antonio was a no-show. I think he, he shrunk in the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I think that's just a lot of things going around too. I mean, you just – and that's what I mean by, like, Coward. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just Coward – I mean, and Tom are very similar, but I got to be honest with you, I see a guy like John Harbaugh with the Ravens, I see some things that are coward-like in himself, because the thing is, it's one thing to be a a player's coach and have a good locker room, it's another thing to be a player's coach and have a good locker room and be consistent success, I mean, like overall, I mean, he just knew how, he was a good leader amongst men, bottom line
1: yes he was and uh you know but i will say this if 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 cowher is gonna be put in the hall of fame i don't know i'm pretty sure that that tomlin should be uh in as well even though i know that the knock would be or or the difference is you know tomlin had a hall of fame quarterback his entire career so and and cowher didn't i and i think that is the biggest uh if you're comparing the two that's that's where it starts and finishes well you know, they both won the two Super Bowls. They both won similar amount of division titles. They both, you know, overall had very similar success. Um, but, but you know, Tomlin was able to have been for his entire run. Uh, that is that is fair, but I think there's something to be said about, you know, last year was, was arguably Tomlin's finest season. Uh, and I think there's been quite a few seasons where uh, the Steelers – did not quit under Tomlin when they should have or could have. You know, 2013 they were 0 and 4, 2 and 6, and 5 and 8 at three different spans in the season, and they finished 8 and 8 and they were a kick away from making the playoffs. Um, so I think there's a few seasons that Tomlin's had that were that were just great, and I think that people forget that. And you know, you also look at, um, you know, I think I think Coward I don't want to say it's a pass. But I think that he mismanaged a couple of seasons. I think 96, they just should have went into the season with Cordell as their starter. I mean, you knew, I mean, with all the respect to to Mike Tomczak, I mean, nobody thought he was the future of that franchise. To me, that was a lost season. That was a lost season where, you know, and then we saw the next year. And I, and I I think he mismanaged, or I think the whole Cordell situation was mismanaged. I think that they didn't do a good enough job with him. But at the same time, Coward did. I mean, the Steelers lost lots of talent to free agency at that time. I mean, that's when free agency was really starting to come into what it is now, and you saw a lot, you saw you saw very little loyalty. You know, you saw the NC Big Ben leaving, Charles Johnson leaving, uh, you know, and they made mistakes. They let Kevin Green go, they let Rod Woodson go, which were two huge mistakes from the Steelers front office. So, Cowher had to navigate through all of that, and it, it finally caught up to him at 98, 99, and then, you know, I think one of... You know, Tom was, you know, most underrated seasons is 13, and I think one of Cowers is 2000. They started that year 0-3 and, and finished 9-7, and and that kind of started what was to come the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, so real quickly, just to wrap up before we get you out of here, uh, real quickly, uh, during the off season, especially last week with some tags on the lines, who would you say was, like, the biggest loser and the biggest winner so far in your mind? To sum it up,
1: um, I'm trying to think here. Well, I don't know. I can't really think of any any big losers. I think Yannick in, in Jacksonville uh, could be probably one. I think that he think he's kind of stuck in Jacksonville and needs to ride it out. Um, but I think it, it's it's concerning to me because I look at their roster and they could re- they could really use him. And I think Jacksonville's doing a lot of good things down there. I think they have they're pretty much moved on from the Saxonville era or whatever they whatever they called themselves in seventeen and they've rebuilt that team. Josh Allen's a really good player. They have they got twelve draft picks. I think you're gonna make an impact right away. They're really I mean salary cap wise, they they'll be able to sign some studs in the next couple of years. So I think it's a shame, whatever that whatever's happened with, with him and, and, and the Jaguars. Um, uh, and A.J. Green was a big winner, um, I think, personally, because I think that uh, he's going to get $18 million bucks. He's going to get a chance to show he can still play. Um, he's not going to get a major monster deal next year. I mean, he's going to be 33, but he can get a nice two-year deal, depending on what he does, maybe, maybe even a three-year deal. And maybe it's with the Bengals. Um, and, and this is great for Joe Burrow because now he's going to have – uh, a, a fringe Hall of Fame player as, as a receiver, as a rookie. I mean, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I, I like A.J. Green a lot. I'm glad he's back at Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, I think that the Bengals are, are doing a lot of good things as well. It's going to be a tough division to win. I don't see anybody running away with this division. I, I think 11 wins will win it this year. I don't think you'll see a team uh, win 14, maybe 12, but I don't see any more than that. I don't think a team's gonna win 14 like we saw last year. I think, I think the division has just gotten that much tougher. I think Cleveland's gonna be another tough team. Yeah. I, I, I think they should win nine games this year. I think that the Bengals will be closer to maybe four or five. Uh, I think Pittsburgh um, should win 10. I think they should be at least a 10 win team. Uh, so and I think that Baltimore takes the division again, but it'll be a lot closer.
0: And finally, uh, speaking of Ohio right now, uh, how do you feel like uh, Miles Garrett's got feel? I mean, he's got like a nice, uh, lengthy deal with the Browns. How do you think uh, he's going to be at uh, mental state of mind, especially this season? Uh, do you think he'll like uh, t- keep it back down to earth, or what do you think? Um, I think I think you are who you are. I I think that.
1: He plays with emotion. He plays with aggression. He plays with borderline uh, uh, anger. And so, I think he is who he is. I, I think I don't think he's going to stop getting personal fouls and, and and going over the line sometimes. I think he's got to figure out what James Harrison figured out, which is there's a line I can't cross. And when it when it when it's dangerous and when it's vicious, you know. Um, that it has to be scaled back a little bit I mean you saw James Harrison the last I mean, When he came back to Pittsburgh after uh, Cincinnati He was Still an effective player but he was different And he, he kind of found Where that line was um, Miles Garrett has to find where that line is And I think he's smart enough to do it um, Can he find that and still be a really effective player I say yes But uh, we'll see I, I'm optimistic that he will But I would say that, that uh, only time will tell
0: Brian, great stuff as always. Uh, thanks again for uh, the wonderful company as always here on the Metal Steel uh, Podcast. Uh, definitely with you right now. Keep our fingers crossed right now. Uh, during these times right now, the challenging times with the health concerns and then the uh, race factor going in right now. Everything across the board, but uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I said, I still maintain the fact I think they're going to find a way to get the season in. It's just unfortunate we got to get used to a reality where Cases are going to be rising up At the end of the day, bottom line That's going to be like triggering our alarms But I think they got no choice at the end of the day For uh, future ramifications With their CBAs and salaries I mean the last thing anyone wants to do Is keep losing money And that that's just how I feel about it
1: yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, and, and stay safe too, man. I always like doing this with you. And, yeah, I think everybody right now, it's important to stay positive. It's important to stay safe, but also, you know, try to find in your world uh, what what risks you're willing to take and what risks aren't, aren't worth taking. And I think if people kind of draw that line for themselves. It might make things a lot easier uh, just in terms of running your daily life. But, uh, yeah, I hope we have football this year, and I hope everybody stays safe. And, and thanks again, Charles. It's always fun talking to you too, man, and uh, let's do this again soon.
0: Likewise, hey, let's hopefully see if we can find stuff we could uh, do a little TikTok on uh, later down the world, which is becoming the new thing around the media world.
1: Yep, that <laughs> sounds good to me, man. All right, Brian.
0: Well, enjoy the rest of your night. Stay in touch, my man. Take care.
1: You too. All right, buddy.
0: See you. All right, bye-bye. And once again, that was uh, Brian DiArdo, NFL writer for CBS. And uh, yeah, I think those are some interesting uh, things right there. Great points right there. And uh, speaking of which, I wanna go back to his point earlier too, like he was saying too. I mean, you had uh, Mr. Rudy saying, that was like one of the Steelers' uh, best uh, core group receivers right there. When you had guys like uh, Yancy uh, Thigpen right there, uh, who played, I mean, with Bill Cowher in that 90s era. And I, I, just, I just thought that was some cool stuff right there. I mean, uh, he, he Thickpen was a beast. I mean, with that team. I mean, when you look at everything, what he what he contributed right there. I mean, with the black and gold. I mean, he played only for what was it like uh, six seasons with the Steelers, and had a career high and uh, receptions in his uh, final season with them. I mean, in reception yards with thirteen ninety eight and seven touchdowns, which are the most in his career to date. I mean, and then you, not only that, too. I mean, you look at that wide receiving corpse on that roster right there. I mean, when, when we look at it and just uh, what they're able to do as far as, like, for that season. I mean, I mean, even so, I mean, like, uh, Art Ruini the Seconds was even saying that if Cordell Stewart would have remained as a receiver instead of a quarterback later on, which he transitioned to, how much better he would have been for years to come right there. I mean, that guy, I mean, no doubt about it, Slash Cordell Stewart, he was dynamic, he was special. I mean, just uh, so many things that they could like uh, utilize with this guy, especially in his rookie season in 95, when they uh, finally got to the Super Bowl. Despite having a losing effort, Cordell Stewart was exactly what he is, slash, and at the end of the day. And real quick, let's uh, get a little bit more things, too, about the ticket uh, expectations for this season. So here's what Tom Palacero of NFL Network uh, reported right now, as uh, we already know that there's going to be no preseason games this year. That was announced two days ago. Uh, Union is still pushing for a longer ramp-up period in camp and roster sizes right now, which by the way, and Brian, sorry for not asking this during the interview, but they're gonna be reduced from 90 to 80 players. Normally in situations like this, it's usually 90 people uh, during training camp. But I mean, of course, we're trying to practice social distancing. They're uh, in hopes that reducing the amount of players will cause like a, a lot more space to be spread out where they can distance themselves. And keep everybody protected right now and then of course the other things they got on here too general agreement on voluntary and high risk opt out and then we also got general agreement on stipend if games lost and uh yeah it's a lot of stuff going on right now to see what happens but I, I really believe they're going to get this done. I, I'm really feeling confident, not just about the NFL, but sports in general. I'm feeling it. I don't know about anybody else. I know it sucks that you've got to be continuing to wear masks, but at the end of the day, what would you rather have I mean, for this going forward? So... That's gonna be. That's gonna do it for uh, this edition of the Metal Steel Podcast. No fair or foul. We'll have fair or foul next Monday and Wednesday. We'll be back at our normal time at six thirty p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I just wanted to say a special shout out to uh, Brian Diarlo for uh, joining me here once again. Always a pleasure interacting with you here on the podcast. And you know, like I said, the only thing I could just do is continue to send love, prayers. Not just for health concerns, but more importantly, uh, we get the dynamics of race going on in our world right now. We'll see better results uh, for Black Lives Matters and people around the picture. I got to be honest, just statues right now, uh, <laughs> testy, testy times. Take it from me in Chicago. We got something with Christopher Columbus uh, down there. That's another story. But at the end of the day, you know what? It's all about... Understanding people's emotions and trying to realize what is sensitive, and more importantly, just spreading the love here uh, to everyone else. Don't make anyone feel neglected. And uh, everybody, hope everyone has a great rest of your hump day Wednesday here. And I was leaving on the Menace podcast. Don't be trolling, be rolling. We out here, we gone.